Before we start, I'd like to just say a big mahalo nui loa to all of you who wrote in asking if I was all right with the recent Maui fires. I am fine, and while majority of my family is on Oahu, there are a few friends and family on Maui. And thankfully, they were away from the fires and are safe. So once again, mahalo nui loa for all of your messages. I really appreciate it. In 1890, Christian missionaries arrived on the Vanuatu island, Tana. Britain and France soon colonized areas. Sixteen years later in 1906, Britain and France empowered the missionaries to force islanders to stop their customs and attend Christian services. Those who didn't were bound and publicly beaten, causing islanders to stop practicing their customs. Thirty-four years later in 1940, while America watches the Asian and European wars, the islanders of Tana are facing cultural extinction. However, a bean appears. The bean is a man, fair-skinned like the other foreigners, but unlike the other invaders, he encourages the islanders to return to their customs. More islanders claim to have met him in the woods, beside a cave, near the ocean, or by the volcano where they say he lives. They become devotees, spreading the stranger's word, and a movement begins. Devotees are arrested and abused in prison. Newly recruited islanders turn to the remaining devotees who seek the stranger's help. The stranger says he must leave. He encourages his devotees not to worry, for the great nation, America, will arrive. Help them, and I will return. Two years later, in 1942, American troops land on Vanuatu's Tana Island. The stranger was the false messiah, John Frum. And this is Legends from the Pacific. Aloha, and thank you for joining us. This is Legends from the Pacific, episode 144, The False Messiah, John Frum. I am Kamuela Kaneshiro, a native Hawaiian professional writer, speaker, and Comic-Con panelist with extensive film and television experience. I study mythology, I've encountered unusual things, and I'm a geek. In the beginning, there was the Pacific Ocean. A canoe broke the horizon, piloted by Pele, a beautiful Polynesian maiden who dominated the waves until she felt safe to stop. The audiobook of Our Legends from the Pacific Book One is now available, narrated by multi-award-winning voice actress Emily Wu Zeller. Emily has worked on anime, the video game Cyberpunk 2077, and over 500 audiobooks including Star Wars The Empire Strikes Back from a certain point of view. Just click the link in our show notes to purchase our audiobook and enjoy Emily telling our stories today. Later in this episode, your featured song in Hawaiian word, but first, let me share with you the creation of cargo cults. As usual, I apologize for any mispronounced names or words and appreciate your understanding. So, John Frum's appearance is really a mystery, since he appeared on Tana around 1940. The following year, on December 7, 1941, Japan attacked Pearl Harbor, which means he appeared when America wasn't at war. Though because of Japan's activity, many knew war was looming. 
the islanders watched American troops quickly establish a dock and airstrip. Then massive ships and planes arrived, and a military base was constructed. The islanders never saw such clothes, food, and equipment the troops had. The troops called it cargo and shared it with them. The islanders valued those who provided things. They rejoiced in the troops, America, and their savior, who obviously sent the ships and planes with cargo. But the troops never heard of John Frum. While America occupied the scattered islands as footholds towards Japan, the islanders enjoyed three years of bliss. Then the war ended in 1945. The troops packed everything, presented the islanders with an American flag, and left. The confused islanders didn't know what happened or where John Frum was, but they desired cargo. They mimicked the troops' routines because this ritual would please the gods who'd send cargo. The islanders hoisted their American flag in the morning and lowered it at night. They constructed a crude dock to attract ships, made a straight path lit by several torches at night to attract aircraft, along with a control tower and model plane made of bamboo and leaves. Then, men marched in file like the troops, only with bamboo poles instead of rifles. But no cargo arrived. Chiefs turned to devotees who went into kava-induced trances and claimed John Frum required more. Songs were written, dances created, and a festival was held on February 15th, the day they received the American flag. This was named John Frum Day. It was believed American President Lyndon Johnson would appear, but he never did. Some villages focused everything on pleasing the gods, meaning no one collected food, but they didn't care because this was what was needed for cargo. Unfortunately, these groups died but others lived on waiting for John Frum's return with cargo. Scholars examine these incidents, especially the mysterious serviceman who the United States claimed doesn't exist. While misunderstandings plague the story, it's theorized the biggest error may have occurred when the stranger first appeared on Tana and identified himself as John from America. A big mahalo nuilo to our Patreon members, Ollie and Will Geis, Christopher, Meg, Jessica Bullock, Edward Pueohenke, Felisa H., The Makuli Guy, and of course, Ren Shepard. Your support keeps our show going. If you'd like to support our show, please click the link in our show notes and become a Legends from the Pacific Patreon member to enjoy an exclusive monthly Hawaiian story like the rare story of who the Hawaiian volcano god was before Pele, the demigod brothers Kana and Nehue, and other nifty benefits. Your rewards are waiting for you, so become a Legends from the Pacific Patreon member today. It should be noted, devotees were arrested and abused in prison for 17 years, then released in 1956. Much of the world learned of this cult thanks to David Attenborough, who reported about this in 1963. Also, some claim John Frum was actually Tom Navy. Nonetheless, John Frum's cult swelled in the 90s to at least 5,000 members, but when a member shared a vision about a nearby lake flooding, his predictions saved many, and they made him a prophet. With his power, he formed a new belief blending their traditional customs with Christianity. 
Today, the hybrid cult is still active. Christian missionaries remain on the island, and John Frum's cult dwindled to a couple hundred members. It's theorized the cult will soon die out because they're looked down on by others and they don't generate money, meaning those who want money now instead of waiting for cargo find work at nearby Port Vila. The cult gathers on Friday nights to sing and pray for their Messiah's return, and John Frum Day is still celebrated on February 15th. From this incident, the term cargo cult was created. Cargo cult still exists in this area, including one which considers Prince Philip a god. You see, islanders noticed the Caucasians' buildings had framed pictures of Prince Philip, so they collected his pictures and hung them in their dwelling, believing this would bring them fortune. Prince Philip learned of this and graced them with his presence. Unfortunately, this was more of a meet-and-greet instead of a paradise of endless cargo. But cargo cults are not limited to the Pacific. There was a cargo cult in North America when a Native American prophet claimed Western settlers would leave and the lands would return to them. All that was needed was to participate in a ghost dance, which, while peaceful, worried settlers and led to the Wounded Knee Massacre, killing hundreds of Native Americans, including Sitting Bull. To be clear, cargo cults are essentially people mimicking others for a reward. But the catch is, participants don't understand how things operate on a larger scale. So we've all experienced cargo cult thinking at work or at home. For example, a family always followed grandma's pot roast recipe, which required the roast be trimmed. Everyone trimmed the roast, not knowing why, when the reason was a full roast couldn't fit in grandma's pot. In sports, athletes mimic their idols by wearing their numbers or perform some type of ritual they don't have a reason behind. Cargo cult science was coined by physicist Richard Feynman. This is when scientists accept results instead of testing them. Also, things like crystal healing are considered cargo cult science. There's also cargo cult programming, where computer programmers copy and paste code, though they're not sure what it does. And most of the time, it's a garbage code that does nothing. Then there's cargo cult thinking in business. This is still around and how many tech startups, especially in Silicon Valley, operated. You see, they'd replicate how Google, Uber, or other successful businesses started by developing a great logo and other superficial trappings, then wait for funding. But unlike Google, these cargo cult businesses aren't fulfilling a service or need. But of course, there's the cargo cult thinking regarding podcasting or writing a book. I've encountered so many who believe they'll just talk into a microphone or write a book, then they'll be the next overnight success. Unfortunately, many don't understand the industries, audiences, and other factors. Hey, I understand we all know J.K. Rowling's struggle to write Harry Potter. But most don't know it took her six years to write the first Harry Potter book. Yes, she was a six-year overnight success. By now, I'm sure many of you know I've helped others succeed and if you are interested in podcasting or writing a book, you may always contact and hire me as a consultant. So, what'd we learn? There's so much we can take away from this, like answering the question, what if we met a primitive group of people, or went back in time and encountered early civilizations? While many wondered why cargo cults are still around, sadly it may be that chiefs are reluctant to give up their power. When asked why they keep waiting for John from, one statement was, Many have waited thousands of years for Jesus to return. Nonetheless, 
What we could piece together about John Frum is he was likely a U.S. soldier scouting the islands for America before we entered World War II. But more importantly, we should credit him for helping the islanders avoid cultural extinction. If you like what you hear, please give us a rating and write a review. I'd really appreciate it, as well as our future listeners. Our theme song is Mystery by Tavana, courtesy of High Sessions. Sound effects are by Sound Effects Factory. Our music coordinator is Matt Duffy, a.k.a. DJ Triple Bypass. Links and shows can be found on our website, legendsfromthepacific.com, including a link to your featured song, which is One Day Soon by Ernie Cruz Jr., courtesy of High Sessions. Legends from the Pacific was written, produced, and edited by me, Kamuela Kaneshiro. I also wrote our original stories. Your featured Hawaiian word is ukana. Ukana means cargo. An example of ukana is pants with a lot of pockets are ukana pants. Once again, ukana is Hawaiian for cargo. Of course, there's always the old cartoon series Clutch Ukana with odd live-action mouths. Thank you once again for listening. Mahalo and a hui ho! Like